The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is our Gospel reading from John chapter 3, and especially these words. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today in our Gospel reading, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, a Pharisee, who we are told was also thought of as a ruler of the Jews. In the midst of their conversation, Jesus tells Nicodemus that if he wishes to see the kingdom of God, he must be born again. Nicodemus, a grown man, finds the suggestion quite odd. He responds by asking, well, how is one supposed to be born again when he is old? Was he somehow supposed to climb back into his mother's womb and be born a second time? Of course, Jesus answers him by telling him that no such a feat would not be necessary for the type of birth he was speaking about. In fact, the type of birth he was speaking about could not occur through any fleshly means. Flesh, after all, could only give birth to flesh. But the Spirit could give birth to the Spirit. And the birth that he was speaking about was indeed spiritual in nature. So how did one get this birth? How did one get born again? Well, only if the Spirit did his work, a work that he does in water. If you don't know this, the Gospel of John is sort of famous for talking about the sacraments without mentioning the sacraments. What do I mean by that? Well, John often gives us Jesus' words where he's talking about the nature of one of the sacraments while not actually mentioning the name of the sacrament in the same story. And so, for instance, in our reading from John chapter 3, baptism, the word, never appears. And yet, I can tell you with confidence that that is what Jesus is talking about. Well, how can I say that with confidence? Well, he says that if one is to be born again, he must be born of water and the Spirit. Well, how could any Christian hear these words and not think of baptism? Everywhere else in the New Testament, where water and the Spirit are spoken of, it is no doubt a direct reference to baptism. And so also here. And so if Nicodemus, or anyone else for that matter, wanted to have this new spiritual life that Jesus spoke about, well, they would need to be born again in this way. The Spirit would have to do his work that he does in water. That person would need to be baptized. And when one is baptized, they then have that life that Jesus spoke about. Today I want to talk about the nature of that life that is given in baptism. But I want to start with just speaking about the nature of life in general. Imagine this scenario. A young couple makes their way towards the hospital. 
The wife is holding her belly, and her breathing is quite labored. The husband, trying to act all cool and collected, is hoping he will just get his wife and this new child to the hospital without any incident. They arrive, and after a few hours of labor, the child is born. The nurses and the doctors attest that a live birth has occurred, marking it in the records, even noting the exact moment that it happened. Everyone involved rejoices together. Now that scene is quite common by God's grace. It happens all the time. But imagine now if something happened that followed that that was rather odd. Imagine if while that baby was resting there in the hospital bassinet, the mother got cleaned up, the father packed up, and they left the room. Imagine if they didn't just leave the room, but they actually went to the front door of the hospital and were heading home, leaving that infant child simply laying there in the room. Now, in our modern world, all sorts of alarms would have probably started going off when they got to the door of the hospital. The doctors and the nurses would have come running down and asked, what are you doing? Imagine if the parents simply turned and said, well, you said the baby was alive. We've done our part. Surely the baby will be fine. You know, in America, among those of us Christians who understand that baptism is God's life-saving work that he does on people, getting people baptized has been a relatively important priority. Whether it's a new baby that is born, or whether it's a grandchild whom we know is not yet baptized, or whether it's someone that we know perhaps at school, Christian people desire baptism for those they love. But many times, it almost seems as if the thought is that as long as we can get someone baptized, well then the spiritual life that is given to them in baptism will unquestionably thrive forever. To bring back the analogy I was using a few minutes ago, it's almost as if people think that once someone is baptized, they can then walk out the front door, so to speak, and the work is done. But that's not the nature of life, is it? Both physical life and spiritual life need nourishment. Oh, indeed, that baby born in the hospital is truly alive when they are born. But if neither the father or the mother or any of the nurses takes to the task of nurturing that child's life immediately, well, sadly, that life would not last long. We should think likewise of the life given in baptism. When anyone is baptized, no doubt they are made spiritually alive. That new and real life that Jesus spoke to Nicodemus about is given to that person who is baptized. They are born again. The Spirit has done his work in water to bring forth faith and life. But know this just as surely. If the mother or father, or if the person being baptized as an adult, the person themselves does not take to the task of allowing that life to be nurtured, it too will not remain forever. No, we do not believe, as Lutheran Christians, 
that everyone who is baptized will in the end be saved. We do believe that everyone who is baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is brought to new life in that moment. Real life is given, but that life does not simply sustain itself. God has designed that life, like all the life he has created, to need nourishment. And so that new life needs to hear the word of Christ. It needs to hear about Jesus' work at the cross and the tomb. It needs to have that forgiveness delivered in words of absolution. It needs to receive the body and blood of Christ. For only as that life that is given in baptism is nourished by God are we assured that that life is ongoing and is unassailable by the devil. Isn't it amazing? In regards to this life, though, that while we have a role to play in making sure that life is sustained, it is still never us that sustains the life. No, the one sustaining the life is the same one who gave the life. It's not the father or mother of the child. It's not the person who was baptized as an adult who comes to the places where God has promised to be that is actually doing the sustaining. No, God is the one who gives life, and he's the one who sustains it. The only way that we can endanger that life that he has given is if we refuse his nurture and care. If we say we will not be in those places that he has promised to do that work. If one receives graciously that life that Jesus died and rose to give to all in the waters of baptism, and if that life is nourished in the home through devotion and prayer and in the church through preaching and the delivery of forgiveness and the eating and drinking and the sacrament, that life will not die because God will sustain it. There's no doubt at all about that. It is only if we say no to the Spirit's work that we can bring that life into great peril indeed. Therefore, for those we love, and for ourselves as well, we never want to act as if one simply receives spiritual life, and then that life thrives without nourishment. So instead of just hoping that someone might be baptized, we should pray also that they might get to dwell in a home where faith is nourished. And they might have a local congregation where they can come together and hear the word of God taught in its purity and indeed receive the sacraments where they are celebrated as Jesus has directed. And for our own lives, we too should realize that this faith, this life that we have been given, it needs nourishment also. But we kind of increasingly live in a time in the church where many people are given the impression that as long as you were baptized somewhere, and as long as you still will check Christian on the census, and as long as you haven't come right out and denied the faith, well then somehow, unquestionably, your spiritual life is well. There's no disease or trouble with it. We indeed are told often, it seems, that one's status before God is not even affected if they're away from the very means by which God says he sustains the life. This is why so many people are not concerned about their spiritual life, even though they haven't read the scriptures in years, with any regularity at least, and they haven't stepped into a local congregation to gather with God's people or receive the sacrament. They just don't think it's necessary. They don't think the nourishment 
is required. And to be honest, while most of us gathered here have not taken that approach, or at least not to that extent, we must admit that we're all tempted at times to want to sort of just coast in our faith. We want to believe that attention to the Word of God, constant prayer, and the gathering with God's people are all good, but not essential. We can come to believe, at least for a moment, that somehow we can be spiritually alive and healthy while not taking in hardly any spiritual nourishment. But that's not how life works. Any life, physical or spiritual life. A newborn baby must be nourished if it is to live. And a newborn Christian must be nourished if it is to live. And it doesn't stop with the age of newborn. As long as life is sustained, nourishment must occur. So yes, as our hymn just said, let us rejoice in our baptisms. Let us think about all the great gifts that were given to us there. Let us think about how there we receive the very life that Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about that day in our gospel reading. Let us also remember that that life must be nourished day by day in our homes and week by week as we gathered here. Let us repent of those times when we have acted or at least believed and maybe told others or given them the impression that nourishing the faith is not absolutely necessary. For if we will repent of such things, God has promised that through our daily contrition and our repentance, that old sinful self which was first drowned in that font will once again be pushed back down underneath those baptismal waters and die. And a new man, a new man who first arose out of the waters of baptism, well, through the forgiveness of sins will arise again, to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Yes, God has promised to do this if we will simply repent of our false thinking. Indeed, he does this as he brings to us the fruits of his cross, the fruits of the empty tomb. He brought it to us once in baptism, but he keeps it alive week after week through his word and through his sacrament. Let us go to him, for he is the one and only person that can give us this life, this life that allows us to see the kingdom of God and to dwell in it forever. Thanks be to him for his great gift of baptism and life and all the ways he sustains it since. Amen.